Are you concerned about the air that you're breathing, especially with increasing air pollution? We all know how vital indoor air quality is, and here's where Puro Air steps in to make the difference. Did you know that indoor air can be up to 100 times, 100 times dirtier than the air outside? That's where Puro Air comes to the rescue. In just 30 minutes, this revolutionary device can transform the air in your room by removing allergens, dust, smoke, dander, and gases. But what sets Puro Air apart is its cutting-edge HEPA-14 filter, a powerhouse that tackles pollutants at a microscopic level. And it's not just me saying that, Puro Air is backed by scientists from both Harvard and MIT. I personally loved having a Puro Air purifier. I feel like I can breathe again, especially after battling congestion for like the last month. Winter can be tough, but within an hour, it was crazy. I could feel my sinuses beginning to open up. I slept through the night without coughing, and I've been sleeping so much better now that we have a Puro Air running in our bedroom. So check it out at getpuroair.com. That's G-E-T-P-U-R-O-A-I-R.com. One more time, getpuroair.com. Something I've been thinking a lot about lately is the access and insight into each other's lives that we have nowadays. It used to be you had to be in direct relationship with someone in order to know what kind of purse did they have? What kind of car did they drive? What did the inside of their house look like? But nowadays, we have that kind of insight to people around the world. Do you think it contributes to the comparison trap? Just something to think about. Hello, and welcome to the Minimalist Moms podcast. That introduction clip is actually from a reel that I'd created for Instagram. So as a follow-up, this conversation with Tara Clark of Modern Mom Probs dives deeper into the comparison trap, social media, voyeurism, and insight into others' lives that maybe we never should have had. This idea is something that I've been thinking through over the past couple of months. So I was really excited to see Tara in my inbox on Instagram, just commenting on the reel, but also suggesting that we dive deeper into this conversation. So within a couple of days, we decided to hit record and the following is the conversation that we ended up having. You'll see we covered a variety of topics. I tried to be as honest as possible, as did Tara. So this conversation is less interview-based and more of a dialogue between two moms, entrepreneurs, creators, friends. It's one you don't want to miss. But quickly, before we get there, as I told you last week, I'm bringing back the minimalist moment slash resource of the week. I'll be honest, this one is self-promotional as I want to share my Substack with you. If you listen to the episode with Laura Fenton, her and I were raving about Substack and I had mentioned wanting to start one. What I didn't mention was that I was already in the process of draft writing a few topics that I had in mind. So for now, the format of my Substack is going to be post commentary on interviews that I have. And this first one that went up is why editing my closet no longer feels hard. So my plan is to have three or four Substack newsletter posts. I don't know what they're called, blogs, (laughs) whatever they are on Substack. I plan to have three or four go out each month, maybe more if I can get on top of things. But I think just getting into a consistent habit of writing again will be really good for me because I haven't done that since I released my book back in 2021. So I've already gone ahead and linked the Substack and specifically that post in the show notes. And I'm actually really excited about the creative process and how this space will evolve for me and for Minimalist Mom. So stay tuned, subscribe, and I can't wait for you to hear this conversation with Tara Clark. So let's get into it. Well, Tara, it's good to be... Oh, there you are. Your video's back. (laughs) Yes. 
<laughs> well, I guess I'll leave this in. And we were having a little bit of technical difficulty there for a minute. And you could see me. I couldn't see you. But we're both here now. So hopefully this makes the conversation better. It's just hard to have a conversation if you can't see each other. Yeah, absolutely. I'm a big nodder. So I nod a lot. <laughs> and and if you're not watching me nod, then I feel like there's something wrong in that conversation. <laughs> I will I will nod along. Absolutely. No, but I'm the same way. But Tara, I'm so excited to talk to you again. This is your third time on the show. I had you back on. Well, you had a going deeper episode, which I've not really done a ton of those recently, but we went deeper about hoarding and your mom specifically having hoarder tendencies. And then you were on, what did we talk about that first time? You know, it's it's funny. First of all, you have a great memory because uh, I was actually thinking about that just now as I was getting dressed. I was like, wow, I can't believe I've been on the show three times. So thank you so much for having me. The second time was definitely a deep dive into my mom's tendencies. And then the first one, I, I couldn't recall either. But I feel like maybe it was something about minimalism and modern motherhood together. People will have to go listen to that episode. I will link it in the show notes for them. But today, specifically, we are going to be talking about the comparison trap. And you had reached out to me after I put out a reel just talking about the insight we have into other people's lives that maybe we were never meant to have and how we can fall into the comparison trap because of it. So that's what we're talking about today. But quickly before we get into it, why don't you go ahead and reintroduce yourself to the people who haven't heard from you before? Yeah, sure. So my name is Tara Clark, and I'm the creator of Instagram's account, Modern Mom Probs. I also have a podcast called Modern Mom Probs, where I like to try to solve the world's modern mom problems. But if we can't solve them, at least we're having fun talking about them. So I often have different authors, many of the same people that you've chatted with, many of the same people that you've interviewed. Um, we have authors and medical professionals and content creators and all, all of those things. But I'm really glad to be back here. Me too. I think my first question for you before we have the back and forth is why did you reach out to me that day? I think it was just fate the way that your reel popped up on my feed at that exact moment in time because heaven knows that like the way that Instagram is lately, like your content's not going out to all of your followers all of the times that you post, right? And so it's sort of sort of hits people at an exact moment in time. So it just so happened that I was scrolling, as I'm wont to do, and I saw the reel, and you spoke so eloquently about it, and you really, like, hit all of the things that I've been thinking about recently with Instagram and influencers and the comparison trap and all of that, and I was like, you know what? This would make a really good conversation. And so then I DM'd you, and that's how we got here today. Yes. To paraphrase that reel, I think it's only 10 or 11 seconds, but I was just saying I'd been thinking a lot about the insight we have into each other's lives. And we know now that people drive fancy cars, that they carry fancy purses, that they have the new West Elm couch. Uh, maybe West Elm is my place that I really like. I'm sure that there are more expensive places. I love West Elm, so that's totally yeah. fine. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So we're seeing these things via social media that we never would have known had we had not been in direct relationship with those people. And now we have direct relationship, or it seems that way because people are taking photos of these things, but we used to just not know unless we actually knew them. So that's what the reel was about. Yes. And and it really struck a chord with me. And that's why I said, like, let's let's chat about this. The fact that we know 
what people's kitchens look like or what their living rooms look like is such a wild concept because, you know, let's say one person lives in New Jersey. I live in New Jersey. Another person lives in Utah. And it's like, I know exactly the layout of her house. It's wild. Yeah. So, okay. The conversation though, we're going to talk a little bit more about the comparison trap and I don't have a place that I need us to arrive. It's more so just free flow thought that we're going to have here. And hopefully we give listeners something to think about as they're processing some of this in their own minds. But the comparison trap is easier to fall into when I'm following a bunch of these influencer type accounts. So if you go to my personal social media page, I think I follow maybe 300 people. And those are usually just people that I know, even if it's like a closer high school acquaintance. Otherwise, I don't follow you because I can't take all of this in and be a healthy person. Absolutely. I I agree 100%. You know, as a content creator, many times we tell ourselves, oh, we're doing this for research, right? So you're scrolling sort of mindlessly to see like, oh, what are the trends? What are people talking about? What's going on? And then you find yourself looking at like account after account and then feeling worse about yourself. So, So there are two thoughts I'm sort of having at the same time now. One, it's nice to get inspiration from someone's beautiful house and beautiful kitchen and the different maybe things that they're preparing for, foods that they're preparing for their children. And then at the same time, if you're in it too long and if you're in it too deep, then it leads to this constant state of feeling less than or constant state of like FOMO, you know, fear of missing out. And so that is a real issue lately. And so many of the moms, and I'm saying moms specifically here, are falling into this comparison trap. I'm not making the bento box lunches. My kitchen doesn't look as spotless as her kitchen is. And then we internalize that, especially over the course of months and years. One of the things I thought about was that it's not even necessarily all conscious thought that we're having. A lot of this is subconscious. And the reason that it can be that way or that I think that it is that way is because it's such a part of my habit to pick up my phone and to hit that little Instagram button and to scroll just real quick. What did I miss out on? But when you pick it up, you're not necessarily registering, oh, that woman's really fit. Oh, I wish that I could go to Italy. Oh, I wish that I was that good at meal prep. You don't even register it. You notice it. And then you have this feeling later on, maybe even weeks away, you're feeling less than, and you don't realize that all of that has been contributing to that all along. A hundred percent. Yes. It's the subtle things. And it's the subtle sort of unconscious um, messaging of that that we're receiving time and time again. And then even as, as a content creator sort of keeping that separately, is the performance of other people. Meaning like some people may be crushing it on their reels or in their podcast and different things like that. And then you're like, gosh, I, I'm no good. I'm no good at any of these things that I'm doing. And, and for me, that's when I have to step away. That's when I have to like put down my phone, do something that I enjoy outside of the digital world, whether it's going outside, going for a walk, calling a friend. Like calling a friend or or just texting with a friend can be such a weight off of your chest when you're having those feelings. On the content side, which again, I'm assuming a very small percentage of my listeners are content creators. It's weird to even call myself that, but I guess that's what I do now. But it is really hard to say, 
this is what I'm doing now, but hey, I'm not meeting this mark that other people are doing, but also maybe they're not doing that because they're putting their attention into this right now because that is where they're making money and that is their job or they're wanting to grow it. And what was your original intent? Did you ever intend for it to be this way? And is it okay if it's gone? What would you do then? And so just like some of these feelings are really heavy to say, where's my identity? Is it enough? Should I stop it? And I'm, I'm trying to figure out how this would apply to someone else that isn't doing content creation, but is still feeling this way through the lens of looking at other people. Yeah, no, I'm sure that there is, because think about all of the people who are small business owners. And I'm going to say women here because we're going to talk about, about moms specifically. There are many moms who are now small business owners who have to sort of rely on content creation to market their business. Maybe they own a boutique. Maybe they are a photographer or a jewelry maker, right? And now all of a sudden, they're sort of like thrust into this world of content creation to market their business. So even those people who maybe aren't necessarily the, um, I'm just going to, I'm trying to think of a big person, like the Libby Wards of the world, just because like they're not, you know, diary of an honest mom doesn't mean that they're not still thinking about content creation, at least on the level that they're at right now. So it it goes for a lot of people, not not the biggest ones and not the smallest ones. I think it covers a lot. Or even just moms, let's say, that aren't small business owners. A mom who is staying home now with a newborn and she sees that this newborn on online is, you know, doing tummy time sooner or sleeping through the night sooner or they got potty trained faster. You know, all of those things contribute to it. So I homeschool and my mom sent me this reel the other day of this woman that was like, in the morning I do this and then my husband and I work out and then I make the muffins and then I do my devotional time and then I meditate. All this stuff before, this was the first day of school for this woman. And I'm like, mom, I am so curious to know what this woman's last day of school looks like. Does she maintain that? But you did not know what homeschooling parents were doing unless you were directly in their community. If we were in community with each other, sure, maybe we would know this. All the little details that, again, that just chip, 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 chip away at us and make us feel inferior. Yeah. And and the thing, too, is it's so important to keep in mind that Instagram is always just a quick snapshot. It is one photo in time. It is a seven-second reel in time. And it's not the entire story. That's what I love so much about podcasts because we're able to cover and explore topics in a much deeper way in 45 minutes than we can in a seven-second reel because everything else there is just snapshots in time. People don't understand the context of a story of that situation. Tacovis is a terrific boot brand, and they're bringing a fresh perspective to heritage boot making. So they've carried forward all the time-honored traditions and quality you find in a great pair of cowboy boots, but they've innovated on comfort, style, and service. As someone who tries to pursue a minimalist lifestyle, I highly value quality over quantity, and I'm telling you, you can't find a higher quality boot than Tacovis. Their Western boots for men and women are handmade. Handmade from the most premium leathers with over 200 time-honored individual steps. Also, did I mention that they are Austin-designed, Texas-tested, and handmade down in the boot-making capital of the world, Leon, Mexico? And also, if you've ever wondered if you can pull off cowboy boots, which is something that I was thinking, you should pull on a pair of Tacovas and you'll see. Just do a quick search for Tacovas on social media and you'll see how adorably styled these boots can be. Visit tacovas.com, that's T E C O V A S.com, and point your toes west. 
No more stressful trips to the fitting room under fluorescent lights. With Armoire, you get to wear quality pieces without the hassle of adding to your wardrobe or paying designer prices. I'll say, as a busy mom of three, I know the importance of treating myself to something special, and Armoire allows me to prioritize quality over quantity in my wardrobe. Plus, Armoire is woman-founded and woman-led, so you can feel good about supporting a business that empowers women. If you're ready to have your dream closet delivered to your door, try Armoire today. You'll never have to worry about finding the perfect outfit for any occasion again. If you're curious for some of the looks that I've chosen, check out my collaboration highlight on Instagram for a few of my favorite Armoire looks. Looks that you can grab too. So right now my listeners can give Armoire a try and get up to 50% off their first month. That's up to $125 off. Just visit armoire.style slash minimalist. That is armoire.style, A-R-M-O-I-R-E dot style slash minimalist to get up to 50% off your first month and never worry about what to wear again. Try Armoire today. For a lot of my listeners, I feel like they're on a journey to simplify their lives, but they don't want to sacrifice style, which I completely understand. And that's why I was excited to partner with Home Threads. Home Threads is the perfect blend of minimalism and comfort for your home. At HomeThreads.com, you can discover a curated collection of sleek and functional furniture that speaks to the heart of minimalist living, from multifunctional storage to timeless design. They have everything you need to create a clutter-free and serene space for your family. As most of you know, we've recently moved, and I'm not someone to just fill up a room so that it's done and decorated. I wanted to do this with intention, and so I searched out accent chairs on Home Threads and found the perfect mid-century modern chair that really complements my space. So embrace the beauty of less and elevate your home with purposeful pieces. Visit homethreads.com minimalist and get a code for 15% off your first order. Home Threads, love where you live. One thing I, I was thinking about as we were uh, prepping for this is I read a lot about mommy influencer culture because, one, I absolutely love the topic of it. I have always loved media. I have an MBA in media management, and, and I love sociology. So all of this stuff sort of is just like the stuff I love. And I was reading a new book by Stephanie McNeil called Swipe Up for More, and it's about mommy influencer culture. And I actually had to put the book down for a while because I was starting to feel less than even reading the book about these lives of these mommy influencers because it's it's one thing to see it on Instagram, but then it's another thing to be like taking the time to, to read the book. And in this book, they're talking about these people who are just like, and I'm using this in quotes, like crushing it, right? And 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 I work very hard in what I do, and I know you work very hard in what you do. And then sometimes it's hard not to internalize that. And so that was a thought that I thought that we could, you know, we could talk about is how it's it's challenging not to internalize the things that that we're seeing or reading about. Yeah, it's not personal, and it feels so personal. And I think this can be applicable to anyone that notices, oh, hey, this person doesn't follow me anymore. But you, again, have no idea why that person unfollowed. There have been some people that I'm really envious of, whether it's, wow, they're really in shape or, wow, I really like that they have all these chickens that I want. And it could be whatever silly reason, but this is just kind of a side tangent, but I try to not burn bridges as much as possible. I I think that's a really important rule to live by. So it feels weird when you go and hit unfollow because it's like, is this person going to think we have an 
animosity there when really I just needed for myself to step away from this. And also we weren't friends to begin with. Maybe we just had this internet connection. So all that is very strange to this idea of friends. I was just having a conversation with Justin Whitmull early about his new book, Made for People. And he was talking about loneliness and how we have this idea of you can friend someone on Facebook, but are you actually friends? Is that someone that knows you deeply? I don't know. It's all just very strange. It's all very strange. It is very strange. Like most of my friends are internet friends now because by the very nature of what I do. And I think there are layers to that. So there are people who you may friend on Instagram and through talking in the DMs, you do get to be very good friends. One of my absolute best friends uh, is an internet friend and I've flown out to Arizona three times to see her. So I think it's important to sort of differentiate the the layers of friendships. And some people are just acquaintances. Some people are just, you know, sort of almost like work co-workers. Like if you worked in a big office building, you're not best friends with everybody. Some people you just say good morning to when you're getting a cup of coffee. And then the other people you're telling all of your office drama. So it's the same thing, I think, on, on Instagram. I think it's important to sort of differentiate the two. Yes, absolutely. Just because you know about someone, it doesn't mean you know them. It doesn't mean you're there for them. Because a good majority of Instagram is is very performative, right? So what you see on Instagram is not necessarily what you see in real life. And I think that's really important to keep in mind. Do you, like, so you were thinking about the comparison trap when you had messaged me that one day, but has the thought ever crossed your mind about, hey, in the 90s or in the 80s, any really time pre-iPhone, Instagram, Facebook, Did you ever think about that before? Just we were never meant to see this much of someone's life that we didn't know? Well, I think that's why MTV Cribs was such a novel show when it came out, because they were saying, come into my mansion and let me show you all of these cool things I have in my backyard and my Lambos and all of that. And that was so novel. We're like, oh my gosh, we're getting exclusive access to this celebrity's life. And that's why the show did so well, because everyone, maybe not everyone, but many people enjoy a certain level of voyeurism. And social media lends itself to that voyeurism. Because before that, what else did we have to look at for a comparison trap? Would be magazines, maybe Seventeen Magazine, YM, that sort of stuff. Even the Delia's catalog. <laughs> I loved a good Delia's catalog. <laughs> but but that's what we had print. You know, we had print magazine and that's what it was. And like I said, and until MTV started with the reality shows, Cribs, the real world, all of that kind of stuff, then we got to to really start to become the voyeurs that we sort of are now. Yeah, I definitely think that's innate in us to observe, even if if we, what is it called, rubbernecking when you see a crash on the highway. I'll try not to look. I'm like, don't be that person. Just get through here. You're adding to the congestion here. But you just still kind of peek and you're like, is everything okay? You are somehow doing an assessment maybe not even consciously of this situation. And so when you walk, if I go on a walk at night, I'll peek. <laughs> I sound so creepy. I peek into people's windows. <laughs> my night I said we're voyeurs, right? <laughs> yeah, but you're just like, oh, how, that person has the same model of house that I have. How did they design their living room? They obviously don't care that I'm looking in because their windows are wide open. 
I'm not going up to the windows, people. I'm looking from. No, of course. <laughs> it's casual. And you know what? You're just being honest. That's yeah. like people going on, on Zillow. Like, let's say someone down the block from you is selling their house on Zillow. You're going to go to that listing and click through and look at all of the photos to see how they decorated the house, what do their bathrooms look like, all of that kind of stuff. No, I've totally done that. And so this voyeuristic tendency I do think is innate to us. Well, I think with that and just another kind of side conversation that could be had is just that people – I've heard they're stalkers. People will start stalking people because they feel like they know them so deeply. But again, those influencers that are constantly talking to you, it does. It feels like they're your friend. And then it's confusing to your brain because that's, again, an innate thing that is confusing on a subconscious level. Yeah. The parasocial relationship is very real. It is very real. You feel like, oh, I know them. Oh, I'm just going to go up and talk to them. You're like, no, you can't go talk to them. (laughs) You don't actually know them. You know them from, you know, online, film, screen, that that sort of thing. But but it is very real. And I've seen that happen in real life with influencers, too. So I have done this. Oh, I've seen this person via their social media account. Well, I've been out in Columbus and I've seen friends of friends and there have been a handful of times where I've gone up and I'm like, oh, hey, like we have this mutual connection. I'm Diane and I'm extremely extroverted. So I don't have a problem doing that. Um, maybe that maybe that is really weird. I would do the same thing, Diane. So yeah, my, my son, I like I do too. my son gets <laughs> mad at me when I call people by their names on their name tags at like a restaurant or at like an ice cream parlor. He's like, will you please not do that? I was like, I'm just being friendly. <laughs> their names on the name. T- yeah. This is the episode that's going to get me canceled because people are going to say she's so strange. No, I don't think so. But you know what? Real real fast, I want to go back to what you were saying about the stock yeah. the parasocial oh, relationship. Yes. A few months ago, there, there's a YouTuber. Her account is called Call Me Chris. She is hilarious. She does a lot of like short form. Well, she started doing short form videos on TikTok and then she blew up and now she's she's on YouTube as well. A few months ago, she did a very serious video about how she has has to move because stalkers started to come to her house and drones were flying by her windows to take photos into her house. And so she was saying that she had like just built, I might get the story wrong a little bit because it was a while ago, she had like just built her dream house and then essentially had to abandon it and leave it and now go move somewhere else. And she was moving in with, I think, like her sister or brother and brother-in-law and stuff like that, like moving in with her family for safety. And it's because the parasocial relationship is so strong. Mm-hmm. What are some of the other books? So you read the Swipe Up for More. Do you have any other recommendations? Just again, I don't know where we go with this information because it's not going away. Social media is not necessarily going away. So it's like, what do we do with it? And then how can we read these things to kind of assess what our boundaries are? But what are some other recommendations? Yeah. Another great one is Momfluenced by Sarah Peterson. Um, she's lovely. I had her on the show to, to talk about the concept of mommy culture. It's, I think the episode, uh, the book is called Momfluenced Inside Mommy Culture by Sarah Peterson. And, you know, we explore all of that. It's important to know and to keep in mind that social media is curated and it is thought through. And even when people are putting up a lot of, like, real world kind of content, even that still is curated and performative and thought through, right? And and I know this because 
I'm in this business as well, right? It's not that I'm not saying that. And I love this business. And so please, like, don't get me wrong that, like, I don't enjoy what I do. I very much enjoy what I do. And Instagram has made some of my absolute best friends, you know, has made me a lot of my best friends. It's actually made me a better parent in many ways because I follow a lot of great parenting accounts that have taught me how to be softer with my my child, how to be, I consider myself a conscious parent, right? So how to be more in tune with myself so that I could be more in tune with him. And so all of that came through Instagram content. And so I'm very appreciative of that. So I don't want anyone to think that I'm I'm not appreciative of that. But on the flip side, does Instagram, it's sort of like my my frenemy, right? Because like it it's helped me in so many ways. But then at the same time, it makes me feel less than in so many ways. So it's a difficult conversation or it's a difficult relationship, I should say. Do you have a social media account that's not uh, almost at a million followers. <laughs> like, do you have a private? One? <laughs> <laughs> I have a private one, but I so rarely use it. And I'll give you an example. Last year, we met Mr. Beast at the opening of his restaurant in New Jersey. It's at a mall called the American Dream Mall. He was opening up a Mr. Beast burger. And we waited 12 hours literally 12 hours to meet him. And we did. And that was like one of the last photos I have on my personal Instagram account. And that was September 4th of 2022. So I am not often on my personal account. Okay. Yeah. I'm just curious because that's the other thing I was thinking about. There's a theory of Dunbar's number, and it says that we can only maintain about 150 connections at once. So that actually, if you're thinking about the connections that you have, that 150 is going to go fast because think about, that means your dentist. That means your veterinarian. I know it doesn't seem like it, but that's actually what it means. It means a connection with a human that you're managing on the regular. No, no, that makes sense. There are so many people in your life that you're having a hard time having a valuable relationship with all of those people. Realistically, I cannot manage all these people. And so people have probably heard me talk about before. I tiered my friends. I know I got some blow up for this, but I did tier one, tier two, tier three. Tier one were the people I wanted to see weekly slash biweekly. Tier two were the people that I wanted to see probably like once a month. And then tier three were like, we've kind of ran this season, but I'm done reaching out because this is not mutually beneficial for either of us anymore. I'm a visual person, so it was helpful for me to do that. But it was also like, if I'm going to be a good friend, I need to know who I'm spending time with and directing my energy and attention towards. Because now that I have three kids, two businesses, and everything else, you don't even have to have three kids or two businesses. You could just need space to yourself. And it's a very important thing to consider. It really is. I I think I've done the same thing, but not necessarily put a label behind it. I feel like in my life, it's sort of just naturally worked out that way, if that makes sense. And, and And it goes back to what I was saying about the layers of friendships, even on Instagram, right? I have some very, very close friends that I would consider my best friends. And then there's other people that you talk to maybe weekly. There's other people that you speak to every once in a while. And I think that's just natural. I think that that's human nature, just like voyeurism. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, right. No, I'll see these people. I have a few girls that I know from high school. We weren't necessarily close in high school, but they had groups of friends that they've maintained these relationships to now and we're in our mid-30s. And I think that's lovely. I love that they have that. I don't have that, but I don't think that that has to be everyone's reality of where you have all the high school friends and you're still so close. That works for some, but if you don't have that, cultivate 
the relationships that you do. I guess I just want to encourage people that if they're like, oh, well, these people seem extroverted and they have a lot of friends, is that some, something that we curated to let you see or is it actually true? That's a good point. I think my husband is my only high school friend that I hang out with. <laughs> and I hang out with him every day. So <laughs> I don't hang out with my my high school friends or my college friends. I have a couple. Um, most of my people now, I just think it's seasonal. It goes back to that list of tiers that I have. My old roommate is in that tier three. And again, she's lovely. I would love to catch up with her at some point. But is that going to be the energy that I'm directing on the regular because it seems like we're just trying to play catch up and we're not really living life together right now. And the door is not closed on those people. I'm still open to deeper relationships with those people. But I think that you just have to look at and be realistic with who is in your life. Don't fool yourself in thinking the insight you have into people's lives is actually the insight they're telling you one-on-one. Yeah. And I, I was about to say, and ironically, your friends in tier three, you may not know what kitchen they have or what type of car they have, whereas you may know that information about a content creator online. Oh my gosh, absolutely. And the Justin interview, he spoke a lot about that. What is an authentic relationship and having that ability to push post out to however many followers you have, followers I put into quotations, versus this is a private group chat. He was saying the importance of just having a group chat even is more private and small scale than this big thing that I'm publishing to the masses. Yeah, a thousand percent. People often say to me when they meet me in person, and I've met many content creators throughout the course of my career here because I've been doing it since 2016, right? So I've met a lot of people in person. And every time they meet me, they're like, oh my gosh, you're so different in person than you are on camera. First of all, I am super extroverted and I have a lot of high energy. And the second I put a phone in front of my face to record a video, I clam up. I don't know what to say. I can't do it. It's not my my bag. And and so my energy and my everything that makes me Tara doesn't come across the same way on social as it does, uh, whether I'm in an interview or whether you're meeting me in person or something like that. And so that's something that I've heard time and time again. They're like, everyone's always like, oh, my God, I love you. You're amazing. And I'm like, oh, thanks. I appreciate that. And they're like, yeah, I don't see that online. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, because I'm, I get really nervous. Like, I can't perform in front of a camera the same way that other people do. And so going back to that and then going back to the concept of feeling less than, it's like you shouldn't do things that make you feel uncomfortable, right? Yes, there's a certain element of like, it's important to like practice and, and embrace being uncomfortable on certain things. But at the end of the day, if something isn't for you, then it isn't for you, right? Me meaning like, uh, I'm just trying to make a, an example here. I, I can't even think of like a sports player, but like you know, Babe Ruth isn't going to go play basketball, right? He was the greatest uh, baseball player and like, let him do that. And so everyone should know what they're good at and know what their skills are and, and work towards that. Don't say like, well, I have a deficit of this other thing. Man, I got to work really hard on this deficit. No, work really hard on the things that you're awesome at. If you have the high energy and you bring the high energy, then do that and do the things that you feel good about versus wallowing the things that you have deficits in. If we're talking about content creation and being content creators, when Instagram started, I was 19, 20, and 
uh, you would just put the funniest filters on your photos. Like, here's my Starbucks. Yes, always. Here's my running always. shoes. I always, <laughs> I always say that. I'm like, oh, I took a picture of my sandwich today. Let me put a Valencia filter on it. Yeah, Valencia. Yes, that was what Instagram... <laughs> I loved that filter. Okay, so a lot of us were like, this is a cool photo sharing app. And then it evolved and evolved as things do and they need to. But now it's like, okay, is Instagram a video a space platform, I guess it had to evolve with all the other competition to get our attention and to keep us on here. But a lot of us didn't sign up for that, but we're finding that we have to do this. But it's like, I don't necessarily have to do anything. But then you feel this competition of if I don't do that, then I'm not going to succeed here. And then you feel like crap because you're not doing this thing that other people just signed on for and are starting to excel at. That is really frustrating too, as specifically talking to content creators. Yes. I say that all the time. When I started on Instagram, I was writing quippy one-liners. That was my jam, right? I, I could come up with like really good one-liners and they were on memes and people love them. And then that's how my account grew. And then with the introduction of video, I'm not inherently great at short form content. So that's something that I struggle with. I try to push through through being uncomfortable in that and embrace it and practice. But again, going back to my analogy, it's like, you know, a fish can't be a monkey, right? I, I know that's like a very like old um, analogy from a long time ago, but but that's the thing. And so content creator, it's hard for content creators to be sort of like pigeonholed into one thing when really their talents may lie in something else. It's something to keep in mind. But But going back to what you were saying is that, yeah, it makes people feel bad, right? Like you're like, oh, I'm seeing these people come in and just like absolutely crush it. And they're super talented people. They really are. There's no two ways about it. They're very, very talented people. But it's hard not to find yourself in that comparison trap, at least a little bit. Yeah, for sure. Well, I don't have really anything. I mean, I, I'm sure that we could just keep going around and with some of the. I was gonna say we could we <laughs> we could talk about all that kind of stuff. But as far as like ways to overcome it, I, I think a big thing is putting down your phone, getting outside, connecting with real friends, real family, real people. That is a really big way to do it. And like I said, focusing on the things that you're good at and and not wallowing in the things that you have deficits at. And if you are an excellent photographer, guess what? Go take those pictures. Take the pictures, press post. Don't let the algorithm dictate your art. Don't let the algorithm dictate who you are. And those are things that I keep in mind all the time. And I those are things that I hope that your listeners would keep in mind as well. Yeah, I think one of my biggest challenges to people with this episode would be looking at that number of how many people you follow. Is it something that you need to whittle away? I used to follow a ton of people from The Bachelor. I was obsessed with The Bachelor and I followed all these accounts. And it's like, why am I following these people? Am I actually getting good advice from them? Sometimes it's fun. Again, the voyeurism, uh, I, I still think that can be fun. But do I need a hundred people from The Bachelor I'm following? Am I actually looking at all of their content or should I whittle it away and get the people that are just right? I think when we start following thousands of people, it makes it really hard to ever feel caught up. It just keeps you on the app too. And yeah, this whole idea of insight in other people's lives that we're never meant to carry, that Dunbar, it all kind of comes back together to say we should be more intentional about what we're viewing and taking in on this app. Absolutely. My husband often says to me about social media, is like, we were, we were never meant to hear everyone's internal thoughts. 
And and he was talking mostly about the the comments, right? So I think that sort of goes into that same thing too. It's like maybe we were not meant to always see into everyone's lives, but also into their own brains, right? And, and so I think it's important to be intentional about what we consume and also what we produce. Intentionality is everything. Well, Tara, what do you have going on? Where can people find you? Are you in, involved in anything right now? Uh, I don't know when this is going to air, but I am running a content creator burnout workshop on October 5th. And so you could sign up before that. And if this runs after that, then you could still sign up and, and get the recording of it afterwards because content creator burnout is a huge topic right now. It's a huge issue and it's something that is near and dear to my heart. So that's what I'm working on. And actually just this weekend, I am speaking in Atlantic City, New Jersey about burnout as well. Yeah, I'm on a panel about that. So just trying to help my fellow people, help my network out there. Yeah. Like you said, when you had messaged me to kind of bow tie this interview is that this is something that people are talking about right now because we're all kind of feeling it. It's been years of having access to this type of insight in social media in general. And I think it's just weighing on the people that have been using it for so long. So we do need to have these conversations to prepare the next generation. And I don't know, we just, we could always have room for improvement. So I think it's, hopefully this helps people. I hope so too. And there's one great content creator out there. Her name is Cece Kane. And and her whole shtick is that she's making fun of Facebook mom groups and like the comments that people receive. And if you don't follow her, she is hilarious. But it goes into all of this too. It's it's big into the comparison trap and she is um, creating it as satire and she does a great job at that. Cool. I'll have to check that out. Well, Tara, thanks so much again. I'm so glad that we were able to have this conversation. What did you think of the episode? I hope you enjoyed the conversation. To learn more about today's guest, including links, resources related to everything discussed today, visit the episode page at minimalistmomspodcast.com, where you can find the entire podcast archive, as well as my book, Minimalist Moms Living and Parenting with Simplicity, or other ways to connect or work with me online. If you'd like to support the podcast, the easiest and most impactful thing you can do is subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts, and leave a rating or review of your favorite episode. Lastly, sharing the show or your favorite episode with friends on social media is very helpful and will encourage others on their journey to think more and do with less.